Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Trojans held their spring showcase over the weekend. It was live on the Pac-12 network. Uh, we'll talk about that today with the coach, Harvey Hyde. He is on the line. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to get to all the latest ramblings and musings of the coach. We love to talk to him here each and every week on the Parastyle Podcast. We'll do that again today. If you have any questions for us, for me, the coach, for Dan, whoever on the shows, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that too. The number is 424-254-9141. Send us a text. Uh, leave us a, a brief voicemail. we got a couple of those to play for you today. Uh, and lots to talk about about USC spring scrimmage. Now, spring practice isn't over. They still have another uh, week, three more practices left. But, you know, for the, they held it on the same day as Swim with Mike on the USC campus. That was a great event over there. We got to check that out a little bit. And like I said, it was live on the Pac-12 network. So many of you were able to watch it, even if you aren't around USC. So that's a good thing. And it was a good thing that the coach got to watch it. Coach Harvey Hyde, how are you, sir? I am doing fabulous. The weather's warmed up a little bit. Uh, spring is moving along. Here we are in almost, uh, well, I'm not going to say the middle of April, but damn near. And then all of a sudden we'll be saying, gosh, John, it's 4th of July. And then all of a sudden we'll be saying, let's read the publications of what everybody else thinks. And then before long, fall camp will open up. And then uh, we'll be talking more football, as we always do every week anyway. Yeah, we, we love talking football. That's what we do here. That's our job. So we we try to make sure to do it to the best of our ability, talk about what was going on there. And it's not, you know, it's funny when you're around USC and going to practices and stuff, if you like accidentally say spring game to somebody that works there, they're always quick to correct you. This is a spring showcase. Uh, they, I think they were, I, I don't know, maybe last year wasn't the same, but I think this year they tried to make it as clear as possible. Look, this isn't a spring game. It's going to be live on the Pac-12 network and all that stuff, but it's basically just going to be uh, another practice. Now, it was on Cromwell Field. Uh, they did have the fan. The stands were pretty full uh, of USC fans out there. There was you know, a couple former players like Nelson Aguilar and Juju Smith-Schuster that were out there. Um, so there was a, you know, a different atmosphere than like a regular practice, but as far as what was going on on the field, it pretty much just was a regular practice. And I, and I think they tried to make the expectations clear. I'm curious to see going forward. Once the Coliseum reopens, if they go back to a spring game sort of model or what they've been doing these last uh, few years, but coach, I know you got to, to watch it. There were some big plays out there. What did you think overall of USC's spring showcase? Well, I'm not going to call it a showcase because I think that's supposed to be a spring game. Uh, I think that you can't waste a day of practice. I think kids get ready for a spring game. I think they give an extra effort. and They want to see how they move the ball up and down the field and how they play in a game-like situation where it gives them a lot of experience and so on. I think the atmosphere of having where they have it is absolutely ridiculous for a spring game. And I'm trying to be positive, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just giving you a setting. No goalpost. Uh, 
who was it? Was it Pittman or was it Tyler Vaughn who ran out of bounds and slipped and almost fell on the track, threw the barrier down? Uh, players standing in front of all the media and on the sideline where you can't watch uh, the showcase. Uh, no real game-like situations with press box, all the coaches. Uh, an award for winning the game, uh, like at Alabama. They get a meal after the game. The winning team gets steaks. The losing team gets uh, hamburgers. Clemson has it. Uh, in fact, they were on the same time. And if you watch there, and go look it up if you can, watch their spring game. Uh, the winners go to a 5.30 a.m. workout, but the losers do. Because obviously they need to get better. And it doesn't make any difference who you are. You play. Uh, they draft players and they have like the uh, number one offense gets the number two defense. Uh, the number uh, the other team gets the number one defense and number two offense or whatever. So they try to make it as balanced as they can. And they have an actual game full four quarters. And they play it out. And uh, young players become experienced to crowds in the big atmosphere, and of course they can't get in the Coliseum, but they could possibly rent the Rose Bowl or go to uh, the the new uh, soccer field near USC or go to El Camino and and make this type of uh, presentation. I don't want to call it a wasted day, but it's a day of getting better in a game-like situation, and you hear me talk about that all the time as far as you only get so many days in pads, and you heard Clay Helton make that statement in the post-interview uh, saying, we only have one more day of pads. Well, how are you going to use that one more day of pads? Obviously, the only way you get better in playing football is in pads because you carry the pads when you run, you catch, you block, you do live drills, and you scrimmage. So, you know, to me, a showcase is, is, I don't understand it. If it's for marketing or whatever the reasons are, why not have it where you can get better and use it as a work day? I call practice a work day, okay? And I think the fans, uh, uh, when, I, when I watched the fans on television, the, the television broadcast, I didn't go because I knew where we stood and so on, so I saw, got to see replays and everything else on television. The first 35 to 40 minutes, it was nothing but drills. So they had fill time in talking about the schedules and this and that and so on. So not a real big uh, crowd uh, pleaser. And if you as the media, you've seen uh, 35 minutes of the same drills every day this spring. And I think that that's sort of not rewarding if you're, if you're there to watch a, a spring game or showcase as they made it clear to you guys. Um, uh, and and it's on Pac-12 Los Angeles. Why isn't it on Pac-12 National? Why why isn't it on something that uh, the whole nation can see? Uh, even though um, it's it's on the Pac-12 network that the whole nation doesn't get on every network. But hey, you're trying to publicize the greatest traditional one of the greatest traditional programs in America. Here you got Clemson on national TV. You got all these other games on national TV, ESPN, where you can watch and evaluate the progress of teams. But really, at, at USC, it uh, is a little bit different of a philosophy. And it's not because, Ryan, they can't get into Coliseum. They've been doing this even in the Coliseum, so they can't use that as an excuse. Uh, 
Their spring game has always been a showcase type of thing. So I don't think they kicked field goals and did all of that, but there's no goalpost. But it hasn't been the philosophy of what I'm talking about. And I'll stop at that because there's other things you obviously want to talk about. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, there wasn't really a lot of special teams because, like you said, there was no goalposts and stuff. And one of the, you know, one of the featured things that have been fun to watch is uh, Ben Griffiths, the new uh, Australian punter, you know, the 27-year-old that's, you know, on campus. When you watch him at practice booming punts, it's pretty impressive. I kind of wish they would have done a little bit of that, but there's really... Doing on Cromwell Field, there's just I guess there's not room to do that. You'd have to have other people standing around basically while he's uh, punting. But I think that's something the crowd and even like the Pac-12 Network, you know, uh, audience would have liked to see. Oh, I agree 100. percent I think it's uh, I want to see football, and that's part of the game. Uh, I think they ought to be kicking field goals in game-like situations, move the ball up and down the field, and when you can't, when you don't make a first down. You punt the ball. And if you can't get in when you're in the red zone, you kick a field goal. And you keep scores. And you do all the things that are necessary uh, that uh, to become a better football team and put your team in a position where they are in the uh, atmosphere of a football game. And you just can't all of a sudden discover that come game time. No, it's uh, you just need to be – you need to be ready. I, I – I agree with you. It's a it's a huge part of the game, and I know they're saying this wasn't a game, but I would have liked to see some, uh, you know, at least some special teams work. I, you know, it's just not it's not that exciting for the fans, but just watching like Ben Griffith just destroy punts would have been fun. It is fun. It is fun to give a kid an opportunity too to distinguish himself and the field goal kickers to find out exactly who can kick under pressure and the snappers and. The return guys, not that you return live on kickoff returns, or but you give them an opportunity to catch those type of punts, and you don't run them back, but uh, you, uh, if it's third and ten, you punt the football, and you have a return guy back there catching the football. Uh, and you do the different things that you would do. If there's a score, you kick off. And if you if it's a fair catch type of football, the guy fair catches it just to review the rules and regulations of what you would be doing during a regular football game so you don't make mistakes during a regular football game. So these are things that I talk about as far as uh, preparing yourself in the spring for the fall. So it's not something new that you have to discover. Coach, the a uh, lot of talk about quarterbacks. Um, usually we have uh, pretty vocal uh I don't want to say majority minority, but there's there's a, a a significant group of people that want to see Jack Sears be the starting quarterback. I wanted to get your overall thoughts about how you thought the quarterbacks played, but it was interesting that Jack Sears threw uh, at least one pick six, and the other one I don't know if it was a fumbled you know return for a touchdown, but it looked like potentially two pick sixes from from Jack Sears. But what did you what did you think overall uh, of how the quarterbacks played? Well, the one pick six was just a uh, tremendous play by a defensive end who I think you can't keep out of the game. Jackson, if you keep him out of the starting lineup, I don't know who you're playing. You're playing Superman, okay? Because number 99 is going to be a great player, a great outside player. He can rush the passer. I mean, 
What guy do you know that's 6'5", 6'6", 260, 275, reaches out and grabs the ball and runs down the field one-handed like that, controlled his rush, settled up, looked to see where the ball was going, reached out, caught the ball, and ran down for a touchdown. Now, that's not the first time he did that this spring. Ryan, he did that one other spring scrimmage earlier in the spring. Now, you know, that 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 is an art. So I would say um, uh, Jack Sears, yeah, threw the football. But what an unbelievable play that was by, by Jackson. I don't know uh, exactly what their plans are for him, but he'd be on the field if I was coaching him. Uh, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, uh, I mean, there's a, a, a lot of – I think uh, it's a lot of social media on trying to decide on who the quarterback is going to be. And I listen to some people talk, and I read a lot of articles, and, and everybody's trying to determine who the best quarterback is rather than discuss and see who is the best rounded quarterback. Who's going to lead this football team? I don't care if it's the best passer or the best runner, but you've got great players surrounding the quarterback. All the quarterback has to do is lead these guys. You don't have a better group of running backs. I mean, they they fit right in, and we can talk about that later. And receivers, hey, you got great receivers. Now, who can put these guys in the right place, read, and, and be a leader? And you can't be a phony type of leader. You can't pretend like you're a leader and do the things that leaders are supposed to do. Leaders just stand out. They just are, are somebody you can look at and say, he's a leader. Now, uh, I think Jack Sears is very similar to the type of leader that Sam Darnold is. I think he's the most athletic quarterback on the field. Not that the others aren't athletic in one skill or another, but he can do it all. As far as keeping the football, I think he's a a tougher kid, type of tougher, more physical type of kid. I think he has the respect of the team. Uh, When I watch him, uh, I'm very impressed with his uh, encouragement with other players and players like him and come and talk to him. He walks around and talks to other players. I, I observe all this, and others uh, are very very talented too. JT had an outstanding year last year, uh, but uh, uh, I don't know if that should say the reason be, or he should start this year because he started last year. I don't know, it's, and I'm very interested to see just how Graham Harrell and the offensive staff put together the best starting quarterback in this offense because. You don't have to be a superstar quarterback to play this offense. You just have to be one that leads these great receivers and throws to the right person and makes it happen. Now, if it's JT or if it's Matt Fink or whoever it might be, okay. But right now, I liked Sears last year. I liked Sears last year, and I don't know what the deal was made or whatever whatever happened, but I didn't think he got a real shot last year, Okay. Uh, and now, uh, when he did play last year, I thought he did really a good job in the Arizona State game. I really did. Not that JT didn't have his brilliance, and everybody keeps talking about the Notre Dame half uh, to try to justify, yeah, he's the best or whatever. He might be the best. I don't know. But uh, I look for a guy that can lead and a guy that can execute and a guy can get the ball to the people that surround him, and they want to play for him. They want to play for him. And uh, when he says something, they listen. And they, hangs, they hang around with him off the field and on the field. And they want to eat at his table. And this is the type of quarterback I want and to be a leader. So right now, uh, I don't, I'm not off the field with any of these guys. But as far as uh, right now, looking at the complete quarterback, uh, 
that's for them to decide. I could just give my opinion. Yeah, and I think they're all getting reps, so you're you're getting to see a lot of different you know guys. They'll have a lot of film to kind of look through, and I don't expect any sort of answers or whatever uh, by the end of spring. But I think you know it'll give Graham Harrell uh, and his offensive coaches a little bit more time to kind of evaluate things and and see where they stand. Um, you mentioned the the running backs coach and uh, one of the bigger plays of the scrimmage. You mentioned you know Drake Jackson, obviously the one handed. Pick six, but the uh, Marquis step when he took that one ball uh, off the right side, just on the right sideline, and just like passing people, at all two hundred thirty pounds of them showed a lot of speed. Uh, that was a pretty impressive run to me. I don't know what you thought. No, it was an impressive run. Uh, I would be worried about the defense side of the football on that run. You remember, there's two sides of the football. Whenever you can get away with a run like that, and I watched the block and they double they double team the outside end or linebacker, whatever you want to call him, and there was no inside or outside type of support at all from the secondary or linebackers where he just broke the line of scrimmage after he went to the outside and went all the way. So, yes, it was a nice run, but as a coach, I'd be very concerned about my defense on that type of play. How does that type of play happen? Why did it happen? Why did it happen so easily? And, and, and you know, that's where I get to the point of, of all the praises that are going on is everything's so great. We're playing so fast. We're doing this and that. Remember when one play looks good and it's it, the other side doesn't look good. So you've got a lot of things to improve on. And, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, you end up a, a, a spring game or a showcase like that saying we got a lot of things to work on because there was a lot of big plays that happened on both sides of the football that we got to correct. We're not going to get. We're not going to win games playing in some of those things because there are a lot of busted coverages. Uh, the way they covered a lot of the things, the swing passes and the slants and so on, people didn't know where they were going. I mean, uh, there was a lot of confusion on my part as far as what I could see, because every time and and also a lot of those big plays they would have been stopped uh, if they was a live tackle too. They just kept running down the field, which is great. But, you know, I'm concerned why there's big plays. I'm concerned why things happen. Because there's two sides of the football that you have to, if something's working good, then something's working bad. So, you know, it was all praise one way or another uh, by everybody, by the media, by everybody, telling me how great everything was. I don't, I don't think everything's ever great. I think there's always something to work on to get better at, and that's what concerns me. Yeah. All right. Um, well, Coach, we didn't have a lot of uh, questions this week. We mostly want to kind of pick your brain on that. I, I want to read you one of the questions we did get from uh, our buddy Nick. He says, Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. Question is, if the USC defense played uh, the USC offense, who has had the better spring camp so far? So which side would you pick, Coach? Well, that's difficult to do, but you're playing against yourself. Yeah. And uh, you get to know each other. What I mean by that, uh, you get to learn the plays. You see the plays the whole time. You see the defenses the whole time. Uh, You're able to read things betterly, and sometimes you limit the defense so they can't do a lot of things that they'd normally be doing. So it's hard to say. 
uh, and uh, I can't really answer that question uh, if I, intelligently. Uh, so I'm not going to, but I can say this. I can see changes on the offense that will help the offense. Uh, I think there's a better coaching staff on the field now than there was a year ago. Uh, I think that uh, when I see a lot of two-back sets, it makes me happy. But when I see you run the ball at the goal line situation, it makes me happy. But then it makes me sad when I say, why couldn't we stop them on the goal line situation when they ran it? So uh, I saw some lead draws. I saw a wraparound draw. I saw some things that they've never run in the past at all off of a passing type of offense. I was concerned a little bit with the defensively, uh, defensive tackling, so that would uh, that would say the only way you learn how to tackle is when you go full speed. That you can't walk through and do thud. Thud is great, but you know, uh, live is the best. Uh, I noticed the line splits and the spreading of the defense as far as on the middle of the field, and when you close the splits down down towards the goal line so you don't get penetration, I think it's a different look for the defense, and it's a better look for the offense. So I think that was good. Uh, uh, trying to think uh, when you hit me with this. Uh, uh, I, I saw, uh, I don't know, because the defense is at its full strength in the secondary. Uh, so it's it's hard, really hard for me to react to that question. But I think I saw some changes on defense. I saw some players on defense that are going to make a contribution to the offense or defense as, as long as they get on the field and they're, they're not kept off the field, but they're a young player. I think young players, if you're a great player, should be given the opportunity to play. And if you can't beat this guy out, you got to wait and watch. So that those are some of the things, and I can't tell you who would win because I don't think there's a winner. You got to be, you got to win on both sides of the football to be great. So uh, it's it's hard for me to say exactly what I think of that. Yeah, Nick, it's tough right now because you're looking. There's you know there's there's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of holes. People, you know, you're waiting for all of the bodies to get there, especially in the secondary. I mean, you got walk-ons going with the first team all the time. You know that's tough. Yesterday at the scrimmage, you had. Frank Martin starting at left tackle and Liam Jimmins, who was on the defensive line last year, starting at right tackle, um, you know, down, I think three of the top four tackles. So there's a, there's definitely a lot of issues right now and it's hard to just kind of assess. I think there was changes on both sides of the ball, which are, you know, could, could have positive results. Uh, feel a little better about the offensive side, just some of the changes because they needed to make changes. There's more talk of changes on the defensive side of the ball, but less, you know, not seeing as much. So, you know, I, I think you can't, it's going to really be hard to evaluate that and be fair. Uh, at least right now we have a, uh, a voicemail for you too, coach, uh, from our friend, Joan. Here you go. Hi, Ryan and coach Harvey Hyde. This is a, this is Joan Levis. How are you guys? Um, I have a question for coach Hyde. I wanted to know how difficult it is for all these linebackers to move positions and cornerbacks and safeties. Sorry, I, I'm driving. Um, but, um, yeah, I just – to readjust, how long does it take and how effective can they be in the long run? I would think that it would be um, 
once they've learned their position like John Houston and he's been successful at it, to move him is a difficult thing. Anyway, thanks so much for you guys and all you do, and I'd love your analysis. Take care. Fight on. Well, thank you very much. Drive carefully. We're glad you're listening when you're driving, okay? Don't let me upset you. Okay, now, first of all, I think it's very difficult to move around and play different positions. You come very comfortable. There's different rules, regulations, different things you do on different defenses and so on. I think the number one thing you do is you get players to fit the position, first of all. Physical guys play physical positions. Speed guys play speed positions. And you try to keep them there. There's no excuse at USC with the linebackers they have where they can't determine who should be the linebackers at certain places. They have a lot of choices. Uh, myself, personally, I think John Houston's got the experience, but myself, I think the two Samoan kids, Solomon and the kid from number one, I can't pronounce his names. I apologize to both those young men. Oh, uh, Paulier Naote Ote, yeah. What a pair of linebackers that could be. Both physical, both play fast, both love the game of football. Not that John doesn't love the game of football. But I want my best football players on the football field. I hope that his foot is well so he can come back and, and play that strong side or wherever they plan on playing him. But to play him with the same side or play him same place that they play the other kid, I think is a waste of talent. I'm just telling you. you got to get your talent on the field. And they have to learn to be comfortable at the position as far as where they're at and flip-flop and the different calls they do and the coverages they do and so on. And the more reps you get, you hear Graham Harrell talk about reps, 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 where the more reps you get, too, on the defensive side of the football, the better you get, too. And as far as the defensive guys, the defensive front guys, I think they get to decide on who's going to play where. And, and they got enough talent where they don't have to move guys inside and then outside and this and that, I think. Decide who the guys are and let them get good at what they're going to do. I think that's very important. And they, and and maybe because of lack of depth, they have to move people around from corner to safety and this and that, which they're doing now. But they got to decide who are my safety guys and who are my corner guys by talent and by what they want to do on the field and what coverages they're going to run and so on. So these guys can learn to be good at what they do and gain confidence in themselves. Because it's very difficult to go against talented receivers today, as USC has, and be able to perform. But if you make one big mistake or one little mistake, it costs you a touchdown. And I think that's what the philosophy is of USC in this passing game now is, you know, you make a mistake, we're going to take advantage of it. Because my X is better than your O, or my O is better than your X. And so it's it's very important that that you keep people at the same place, especially the receivers. And I think they're doing that. Before, hell, I didn't know who played what last year. Everybody moved around, uh, you know, there was motions, sets. I mean, half the offense was, I don't know, confused, I thought, at times. And a defense, a lot of times, they were confused or they wouldn't have been making all those penalties as far as the uh, types of penalties they got and pass interference or delay of games or holding and, some of the dumb things that went on that beat themselves. So uh, I, I think it's the best you can figure out by the talented physical ability of a player and put him in that position, the better he gets. Yeah, the, there's, I mean, there's been some moves for sure, but like seeing, um, you know, John Houston uh, move into the middle where he was playing Will 
And like a guy like Pallier, no Deote was playing middle and he's going to the will. It's, you know, those seem a little bit closer, but when you have a guy like Raymond Scott moving out to safety, like that's, there's a whole, you know, different world of responsibilities and things like that. So there's, there's definitely been some movement there, but that's an area. If you look at USC's linebacker core, especially the inside linebackers, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are available but with the different front coach too, where you're talking about, it's not really, it's it's almost looking like four down linemen would you you know guys with their hand on the ground like like a Connor Murphy out there or Drake Jackson like some bigger guys, and not as much of the 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 predator kind of thing that they were doing before. Now they still have packages like a Hunter Eccles or something will come in and be a pass rush guy. But I'm curious to see how it all plays out, coach, because there is a lot of there's a lot of bodies there at linebacker and really only two spots on the field right now. Uh, how do you get some of these guys in? Cause there's a lot of talent that's going to be on the bench unless you figure out a way to get them in. No, you're exactly right. You know, and uh, when you go to three man front, you can either have five linebackers on the field. I used to run a, a 34 54 defense because uh, it's harder to find great defensive linemen than it is linebackers. So uh, that used to be something that uh, we would uh, think about as far as what, how do we get our best players on the field? And uh, I think it's very important to do that on the schemes that you run as far as what type of talent you have. And again, I think you need to put pressure on the quarterbacks in this league and with a four-man front and that predator thing, I don't know if I buy that or not, but uh, that's not my, ter- my, uh, what do you, my decision. But uh, I think that uh, four guys down and three linebackers or three guys down and more linebackers is you want your players on the field. You want your guys that can make plays and you can substitute on down distance situations and whatever the strength is of the play and uh, that the down distance situations. That's all part of football. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it uh, it's very important to, to have your – 11 best players on the field, and it's your responsibility as a coach to make sure you run something that fits your personnel. Don't run something that doesn't fit your personnel, because then you're beating yourself. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up what we got. I actually, there was one voicemail I want to play for you. It's a little longer, but at the end of the show, I'll just play it for you. Just uh, We had Petros Papadakis on uh, last week, and... Uh, a lot of people, there's there's a lot of USC fans that aren't super big Petros fans, but uh, they enjoyed a lot of, well, at least a lot of feedback we got is they enjoyed him coming on and talking about uh, everything USC. Uh, we also talked about this music festival, um, the Beach Life Fest uh, down here. It's going to be in uh, Redondo Beach that, that Petros is involved in. But we did a lot of USC, just kind of big picture talk uh, of what's going on there. But I'll play this voicemail for you, and then we'll let you guys go. Okay. Hey, Ryan, this is Bobby in Los Angeles. First and foremost, I wanted to thank you. Um, my, fa- it, it was just, it was nice to be put into a different, uh, mindset and everything. Your, um, podcast with Petros and that beach life, um, it's gotta be in the top two or three that you've ever done. And a funny story, uh, regarding, you know, hearing Petros, uh, on your podcast. You know, but it reminds me back of the best. 2004, Petros and I were living in the same building downtown LA, the Renaissance Towers on Olympic and Grand. And Petros was just a lonely USC sideline, uh, 
reporter. And you used to tell him that he's got the voice for radio and the personality. And he was so humble, but I, I predicted that great things would come. And it's just nice. He, he's worked hard. And it's, it's, it's nice. You know, I see the same kind of things going on at uscfootball.com with Keely Euler, uh, G- uh, Gerardo, the guy for recruiting, when he's come on. Shotgun, he's okay. But, uh, you know, 2004, uh, it's amazing. It's 15 years ago, where I was living right next door to, uh, Lindell White and Dominic Bird, uh, were roommates. Uh, my apartment was right next to theirs. And, you know, it's 15 years ago, and it seems like a lifetime. A lifetime of differential to where they once were. To where they are now, and Petros hits, hits it right on the target. You you have to be disheartened. As you know, I'm embarrassed to admit that when I graduated from the school in the late '80s, it's disgusting. And just the honesty, the warmth, the uh, the agony that you heard Petros describing where USC is right now. I loved the podcast. Keep up the good work, Ryan. Thank you. That's very nice. It's very nice to have a young man check in with us and give us his thoughts. And uh, Petros was on your show. I, uh, I think, uh, you know, just so people know, uh, Petros and I get along really well. I like Petros. And Petros is a true Trojan, believe me. And his dad's one of the all-time greats of Trojan football, John. And... Uh, Nothing hurts them more is when USC isn't the family and when USC is threatened by things. And uh, they're they're great guys. They're great guys. And sometimes Petros will get himself in trouble by telling you or being too honest sometimes. And sometimes I might be the same type of person. I try not to be. But we feel as though you listen because we bring something that is the truth and something that we see and it's just our opinion. A lot of you agree with what we say and a lot of you don't agree with what you say and that's certainly your right. But uh, we try to do the best job we can in trying to uh, tell you about uh, the Trojans and the family. And I didn't even go to USC. USC and I, I guess I'm adopted child, I guess. Uh, whatever. But uh, I always hoped I could have coach at USC. I never had that opportunity, but it would be a dream come true. That's the type of feeling that Trojans have. So, okay, guys, uh, I guess Ryan, I want to tell Ryan, Ryan, did you know I'm on Instagram now? I do. I know. I, yes, I see you on Instagram. Uh, I think yeah. you tagged us, tagged me in the story this morning for, uh, yeah. nice. So you're doing Instagram now. Coach, you're like everywhere. Uh, I, I just want to let people know they can follow me. It's easy. Just Harvey. I just, uh, coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, Coach Harvey Hyde on Instagram, yeah. Yeah, and I got a lot of surprises for you coming up, okay? Oh, nice. So, so hang in there, and if you have time, <laughs> have some fun with us, okay? Yeah, you, there's a lot of cool pictures of you. Uh, look like Celine Dion you, and you this morning. I think you had a picture of on Instagram. Yeah, we used to date. Oh, nice. No. 
I wish. I'm just kidding, everybody. Don't believe that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Coach Harvey uh, Hyde, thanks so much. Uh, everyone out there, thank you very much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back. We'll have uh, Dan Weber and Keely Yore on tomorrow, it looks like. And then, of course, it's the last week of spring football. So we'll try to wrap that up early next week and then on to the next. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 